let's open up our hearts, open up our ears, and let's give some love to the evangelist, the author, the man, the rescuer of orphans, the instigator, Ivan Tate. All right. Uh, there you go. There you go. Many titles. Many titles. Praise the Lord, everybody. In review of this morning, because if you weren't here, um, just to kind of catch you up quickly. So we are talking about the importance of having encounters with God because if you do not have encounters with God, then you never change. You never become what God created you to be, and you never reach your true destiny as a human being. You cannot be the actual husband you're supposed to be without having an encounter with God about that. You cannot be the actual wife that you're supposed to be without having an encounter about that. Every supernatural piece of God is transferred at a moment of divine encounter. When you have an encounter with God, he transfers pieces of himself into you or releases pieces of himself out of you that are in you in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And when you don't have an encounter with God, all you are left with is philosophy. So the churches that are not moving into the supernatural and having encounters with God, in these last days where gross darkness will cover the people and deep darkness will cover the earth, they're going to be left out as the world gets darker, the times get more critical, it's going to be necessary to have more supernatural miracles. And so if you don't develop a life of encounters, then you're going to be left to your own brain, to your own intelligence, and to your own resources. What people are going to need in the last days is a miracle God who creates food for them or who delivers them from one building to another building or one state to another state or who keeps their bodies supernaturally healthy. Without encounters with God, you can never accomplish the supernatural assignments of the Holy Spirit for your life. So when you got saved, God assigned you certain signs, wonders, and miracles. Whether you do them or not, they're still assigned to you. They are your destiny. You don't have to do it. You don't have to walk in it. But it will follow you into heaven as the true destiny that God had for your life. The good, the acceptable, are the perfect will of God. So you divide everything into those three basic categories. Some people are satisfied with the good will of God. Some are satisfied with the acceptable will of God. And then there are those who are not satisfied with anything less than the perfect will of God. Praise the Lord. Though you can group them together, they also can be grouped apart. And so I want you to think of that 
as I reviewed just for what we went over this morning, because remember that God cannot be natural. God can only be supernatural. So when you remove the supernatural from God, you make him like us. And so what a lot of people are doing all over the world is creating a new God in their image. Not conforming to God in his image. Think of it like this. If God walks in the building, it's not going to be like Larry, Harry, or Mary. If he sits next to you, you're not going to leave this service as you came. Because God is supernatural. So there can be no natural when God is in the building. There has to be miracles. There has to be revelation. Everything Jesus brought to earth from heaven was supernatural. There was nothing natural, even though it may look natural. The fact that Jesus was there changed everything. Jesus is there, and there's water, and he turns it to wine. Jesus is there, and he's walking on the water. Jesus is there, and he tells the storm to be quiet. Uh, Jesus is there, and he raises the dead. Because God is supernatural. So encounters with God, then, are your salvation from yourself. Because without those, all you have is you. And you are not enough to deliver you. You are not enough to heal you. And you are not enough to get the crazy out of you. <laughs> Praise God. Look at each other and say crazy. Crazy. <laughs> and as you know, some of you don't need convincing that you're crazy. You automatically. <laughs> that goes without saying for those that know you. So you need a God that isn't like you. You need somebody that doesn't have the flaws you have, the weaknesses you have, the personality you have, the anger, the rage, the pride, the cynicism, the skepticism, the criticism, the anger, the rage, the violence, the self-pity, the lying, the corruption, the perversion. You don't need that. You need a God that doesn't have that. And so these things in the Bible are called encounters. So you need to aim to have those encounters. So the first five we talked about, the freedom encounter, Exodus 2, through 23. You're, at some day, all your chains have to break. The way that happens is enough is enough, and you get to the point where you cannot handle your chains anymore. Praise the Lord. We had a purpose encounter with Paul getting knocked off his horse. And we have a health encounter with a man at the Pool of Bethesda. We had 
a very powerful uh, encounter at, with the woman at the well, a happiness encounter, where someday, sooner or later, Jesus has to be enough. That was a powerful encounter. And it's very, very necessary. With each encounter, we also gave you a, um, we also gave you, you know, how you get that encounter. And then the fifth one, of course, is an identity encounter like Jacob. He was a, he was a, thie, a liar and a deceiver, and he got fed up with that name and that nature and that personality. He had an encounter with God. He didn't let go of the angel until he changed his name. And at some point in your life, you have to have an encounter where your reputation changes with to you, to you, and yours to others. Very, very powerful. Praise the Lord. We covered all that, and then we're going into the next five that we're going to cover tonight. And then, of course, we're also going to lay hands on everyone and flow in the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Look at several people around you and say, this is your night to get blessed by the Holy Spirit. Amen? In the things of the Holy Spirit, always keep in mind that whether you have planned for an appointment with God or not, He has planned to have one with you. Hallelujah. So in my life, my first encounter at 17, I got saved. But it was such a deep encounter that it changed my life, it changed the trajectory, the trajectory of my life, completely changed the direction in which I was going. And that's what an encounter does. It changes the direction in which you are going. Praise God. And if you don't have those, uh, then you just keep going the way you're going, whatever the way you're going is. And uh, sometimes, and I, I'm sorry to say this, it's, it's my observation that sometimes people, not everyone, but sometimes people go beyond the place where they can actually seem to have an encounter. They're they get to that place where they're comfortable and there's no sense of urgency to change anything. And this is a death blow to your walk with God. This is a deadly blow to your walk with God. To be happy in the wrong place is very, very dangerous. So you have to pray and ask God, you know, please, God, don't let me be content in a place that I'm not supposed to be at. I want to just keep going in the Holy Spirit. I just want to keep going, keep going and keep going and keep growing. So uh, having said all that, we go over then to Luke chapter 7. This is verse 37 through verse 45. And let's talk about this encounter. A woman in a village who the Bible says was a, a sinner, but when you look at it, it's a prostitute. She was, 
she made her living by selling her body. And imagine this, that you are a prostitute during that time, and you're poor, and, and you're, you're literally selling your body every day. Who knows what her story was? Who knows how early that happened? I know that in Guatemala, uh, many of the children there are sold into sexual slavery as early as two years old. We have them in our orphanage. They come to our orphanage already uh, sexually violated at two years old. They can't even speak. All they can do is scream. We got a little girl like that named Luce Light, two years old. I was there the day they brought her, and all she did was scream when any man approached. She just started screaming. And nothing but terror in her, in her eyes. And the stepfather, whoever her mother's, he had done this to her. Uh, so you know that it's demonic. You have to be filled with Satan, with demons to, to hurt a child Amen. like that. You, you have to be literally in the grip of Satan himself. But this is how children come, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, eight, no, whatever age. And all of them have the same darkness on them for the first five to 30 days. And then at some point, something happens, and the darkness leaves, and the light comes in, and the, the fear is gone, and everybody reverts back to being a child, singing and playing and acting like a child. Because safety, for the first time in their life, they have protectors, and people they know will not hurt them, but will protect them. This is a very powerful thing. Fear only thrives where people are unprotected. And your fear comes because you have no supernatural God in your life. And you know it. And you know that all you have is you. And that can be very terrifying. If you don't know you have a supernatural God that can deliver you, from any situation at any time, it's very difficult to not be afraid. So we know these things about this woman simply by the way she acted. One, we know that when she came to Jesus, she was not afraid of him. Rabbis, you do not approach a rabbi when you're a prostitute for one thing. To touch a rabbi as a prostitute is to make him unclean. Just like a rabbi, if he touched a dead body, he'd have to separate for seven days out into a, a place and go through all kinds of ceremonies to be cleansed. So we know that she had heard about Jesus somewhere from someone. It could have been another prostitute that got healed or delivered. It could have been lepers that were clean, and they said, hey, Jesus just came up to me and hugged me, and the leprosy left my body. I don't know what to tell you. I was unclean, and then seconds later, my skin is like a baby. She had to have heard that. Maybe from Mary Magdalene, this lady heard about him casting seven demons out of her. But whatever happened, 
She came in the right mode to Jesus. It says that she came weeping, worshiping, crying, and that she poured on his feet uh, an alabaster box full of oil. And if you would study that, it's one year's salary that she had saved up from selling herself. And that's all she had to offer Jesus. But because of the way she offered it, what was cheap became sacred. Just like you and me. We start cheap. But when God touches us, we become sacred. Hallelujah. So what is this encounter? This encounter is the most important one you can ever have. And it is a love encounter. And it is a, an encounter where you become dominated by love for the rest of your life until you die. This love encounter this woman had with Jesus, who, she was kissing his feet in the most holy way, crying on his feet and wiping his feet off with her hair. Everybody around Jesus is freaking out. Why is he letting this sinner touch him? Why? Because they didn't understand the sacredness. All they saw was a cheap woman. But they didn't see the value inside of her that she was letting out of her, but Jesus did. And what did he say? The most, one of the most famous statements. He that is forgiven much loveth much. When you don't feel forgiven, it's going to be hard for you to love. People that don't forgive themselves cannot love people. People that don't believe God has forgiven them do not love people. This woman was getting totally cleansed and purified from her entire life of serving the flesh and living this terrible life. Not all prostitutes are high-end prostitutes. There are prostitutes of the street. Street prostitutes have diseases because they, they have interaction with men of the street that have diseases. So I was raised with prostitutes and I would shine their shoes. I was six years old when I started shining prostitutes' shoes because the prostitute house was next door to my grandmother's restaurant. And there was a little bench in the front. They would come in there, sit there, and I would shine their shoes. They'd tip me really big. Give me a dollar instead of 25 cents. I'd say, hey, tell your grandmother I gave you a dollar. But in between that was every cuss word you can imagine. But because they were the way they were, they were very, lots of terrible things, vileness, smells of every kind, very gross. It's, it's not like what Hollywood paints things to be. A street prostitute is not somebody that keeps themselves clean from diseases or is pure and keeps themselves, you know, some, some, someone you, 
that people pay five thousand, ten thousand dollars for some. These are street prostitutes. This is two dollars, three dollars, and it, it's it's like you can't imagine the vileness that these women had to endure. So think about it. This is who's touching Jesus, and he's letting he's letting her do it because of love. Because to Jesus, this is not a dirty woman. And to Jesus, love's first ministry is to make ugly people beautiful. That's the first ministry of the love of God. And if you can't do that, then you don't really have the love of God functioning. You just have the idea of the love of God. Knowing truth is not the same as possessing it. You can read all the books in the world and know everything, but only what you possess becomes reality. You have to have a love encounter because once you do, you will never let, yell at your children again. You will never cuss anybody out again on the highway. You will never throw the finger at strangers. You will never wish for someone to be dead. And you will certainly not pray for their death. Also, you will start telling strangers about how to get saved. Because love compels compassion. And compassion is the ability to feel people's pain. And without it, Christianity is a joke. At some point, ladies and gentlemen, you've got to stop being normal. You're of no value to the kingdom of God if all you're going to do is be normal. You've got to have an encounter with God about love. Your heart has to be filled with love for every color of person. White people, black people, brown people, half and half people, three-quarter people, 57 hinds people, people that don't know what they are. Because heaven is full of every kind of race and creed and language. Amen. There are no better people. There are no higher people. There are no supreme people. There are just people. Love is not colorblind. It's color-coordinated. God isn't blind to you. He celebrates you. That's love. And if you've never had that, let me say it this way. You cannot get divorced if the two of you have a love encounter. You simply will not purposely ever hurt that person. 
You'll hurt them because you're stupid, but you will not hurt them on purpose. You will not go out on purpose to hurt them. What does the church need? What does the church need? Not, not, what I'm, I'm not speaking of this church. I'm speaking about the church in the whole wide world. It needs a love encounter more than it needs anything. You know that there's never been a love revival? Been a miracle revival? A prayer revival? But there's never been a love revival. And every revival ended because of a lack of love in some leader's life. You want to be married for a hundred years? Just have a love encounter together. And then you'll never lie to each other. You'll never hide anything from each other. You will not attack each other. You will not verbally abuse each other. You will not be unfaithful to each other. You will not minimize, verbally criticize, undermine each other. Because love is incapable of satanic behavior. Amen. The reason you speak like the devil is because you have the devil in your heart. Didn't feel the love on that, so I'm going to go over here and encourage myself. <laughs> Praise God. A little heavy right there, Ivan. You kind of blew your, the people's minds on that one. You have the devil you got to be careful because you're in Texas and the people are packing. <laughs> Honestly, after 51 years of preaching and being in ministry, I can tell you that I do not and cannot trust a person who does not understand the love of God. I have to treat them with a lot of awareness. Whereas if I'm around a person like Melissa or Miss Monica, I know I have nothing to worry about. Because I know no matter what I do, they're going to think I'm amazing. I don't know. I can't, they can't help it. They feel that way about everybody. And if they don't, they pray it through. Hallelujah. And Lindsay, of course. And any other, others of you that feel left out right now. Why didn't you mention me? Do I not show the love of God? What's going on? I'm going to ask him tonight. No, no, no. And I can't you like name everybody. So what do you need? You need to have an encounter with God's love. How do you get it? How do you get that? It's called brokenness. It's called going to the feet of Jesus and breaking every hard part of you, every protected area of your heart, every aspect of your life, breaking before God, every bit of pride, every bit of unforgiveness, every bit of jealousy, every bit of competition, every bit of anger, every bit of, of vanity, every bit of judgment, 
all coming out of you all at one time and exploding inside you and the garbage shooting in every direction and God washing you with the wonderful love of God. You know, when I met Jesus underneath the tree, I felt demons leaving my body, even though at that moment I didn't know that they were demons. But I felt like these breaths. I didn't know what it was. Now, after all these years, I now know. And you know, the first thing that I did not feel any longer was hate for my father. That was the first day. And it has never come back 50-something years later. And I'll tell you, you get tested. Because I, I'll be honest with you, I, if God had showed me some of the things I've had to go through, there's no way I would have agreed to go on. I would have said, nope, I'm out of here. Slowly, things happen, and you have to love people who under normal circumstances, you would shoot. What is going to bring revival to Generations Church? What will make everybody be everywhere, all the way out to the back, and everywhere? It's going to be the love of God are extremely good programs. One will have the presence of God and the other will have the presence of man. Growing a big church is not difficult once you figure out what attracts people. But growing a spirit anointed church, that a church that rec is recognized in heaven for its deeds of love. That is a very sacred thing. Growth is not always a sign of being right with God. The Mormons have big churches, and they're not saved. Hallelujah. Go ahead and hug somebody and say, do you mind if I would check your wallet? I'll just take whatever you got. So everybody say it. I've got a break for the love of God to flow out. I've got to spend time with God so that I can truly have a love encounter. You're an unstoppable force of heaven when you have this kind of love. Praise the Lord. I've been friends with Dale, I don't even know. And he's been real mean to me, everybody. <laughs> I've been friends with him for how many years, Dale? 40. Yeah, 40. 40 years I've been friends with Dale. I stay at his house. For 40 years. I mean, I live in the house. I eat the food. And I don't think we've ever had a crossword.
That's a long time to be friends. It doesn't matter what has happened to Dale or what he's been through because I am his friend. It doesn't matter what I've done or been through because he is my friend. And a good friend sticks closer than a brother. You know, he calls when he's insecure and stuff, you know, like, why, why haven't you called me? I said, stop it. We've been friends too long. I mean, he just did it last week, but that's all right. You know, praise God. <laughs> I said, Dale, you just got to really stop being insecure. <laughs> well, I thought maybe you forgot about No. <laughs> praise the Lord. Who needs the love of God? Who needs the love of God in your family, in your home? <laughs> Who just needs the love of God in your heart? How do you know that you don't have the love of God? I'll tell you the number one way to know you don't have it is you are selfish. And what has the iPhone done to the entire planet but make our planet the most selfish planet there is? since it's the only plant there is. Everybody's just like this all day, even children. There's no fellowship. There's no talking. There's no talking to each other at the table. There's nothing. Parents are so lazy now and selfish. They just want to watch TV, and they let their kids go play on, on uh, technology, letting their souls be sucked out. If you love your family, turn your phones off when you're together and say, we're going to be together. And if they throw a fit, then you know you're doing the right thing. <laughs> you know you're doing the right thing. If they throw a fit, say crazy things like, what am I going to do now? Talk to you? That's boring. Don't sell your children to technology. Amen. And they grow up in your house never getting to know you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So everybody raise your hands and say, Oh God, help me be broken. Almighty God. Amen. We go to number two for tonight, and that is found... In Mark 10, 46 through 52, this is the story of blind Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus is blind, and he's in the, the crowd is all around him. Jesus is healing people, and he says, what's going on? They say, Jesus of Nazareth is here, and he's healing people. So blind Bartimaeus, the Bible says, lifts up his voice and starts screaming, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he's screaming it out loud. And the disciples are telling him to be quiet. And he just screams it even louder. Until Jesus hears him. Jesus comes up to him and he says, what do you want? He says, I would like to receive my sight. And Jesus touches his eyes and he can see. This is called an illumination encounter. And ladies and gentlemen, someday 
you got to stop being stupid. At some point, you got to stop doing the same stupid thing over and over again, thinking you're going to get a different result. Blindness, everyone has it. Blind spots, everybody has them. When you have a blind spot, people are trying to tell you there's something in your life that's not right, and you say, no, it's not true. I don't have that. I'm not like that. But look at it like this. If five people who don't know each other have the same negative opinion of you, it's true. They're not making it up. And that's called a blind spot. And what did Jesus come to do? But open the eyes of the blind. You see, it, wasn't, it isn't until your, the scales drop off your eyes that you maybe realize, I'm not loving my wife the way she needs me to love her. I'm loving her the way I think a wife should be loved. But understand that you're a man and you're basically a moron without God. And you shouldn't be insulted at the truth. Without God, we are morons when it comes to loving our wife. God has to show us how to do that. And that takes illumination. That takes God taking the scales off of our eyes and showing us the particular way to love our wives. Hallelujah. I can tell you, for example, that when I leave here tomorrow and go home, I'm going to go home to work. I am going to work when I get home because my wife's going to need the help, and she really enjoys it when I get home and go do things without her having to tell me. So I'm going to get there, and I'm going to pick up the trash. I'm going to mow the lawn. I'm going to vacuum. I'm going to do the dishes. I'm, whatever she can't get to, I'm going to do, because I have learned after 47 years of being married to this woman that the thing that she truly appreciates is for me to work. My wife does not like for me to ask her questions when we're having company. She wants me to do things, not ask questions. I've already asked all the questions. Now I know all the answers. So I don't ask. I just start setting plates. I start doing this. I take the trash out. I start sweep. I clean everything up. Because the thing you have to remember about some women is when they hire somebody to clean the house, they first have to clean the house. And I'm married to such a human being. She says, I can't leave the house like this for the cleaner. That would be crazy. I said, but she's coming to clean. Not a dirty house. I mean, I just look at her because she's on her hands and knees scrubbing things. And I'm like, this is really ridiculous. 
Now I'm at the point where if she does that, I get on my hands and knees and start cleaning because I know that if I say this is a dumb thing to do, it's not going to go over very well because she doesn't receive that as a loving act. <laughs> Praise the Lord. She loves me to take the sheets off and the pillowcases off regularly, wash them. But you've got to use the right soap. It's got to be on the right setting. And it's got to smell right. And you have to put it on a certain way. Can't be the wrong way. The tag has to be at the end, not on the front. Not all women are like this. That's what I mean. Your wife may not give a flip. She may actually live in, you know, a jungle and be happy. Oh, praise the Lord. We already ate that. Get the other can. Oh, okay, there's a few left in there. Yeah, but they're old. Get the new one. Everybody's different. Hallelujah. Illumination. You've got to see how far you are from God someday. You've got to see how far away from the will of God you are. You've got to see how far your marriage is into the darkness. I did a, a freedom conference, a, a deliverance conference, and in that deliverance conference, I was preaching on sexual sins and things like that as one of the categories. And in that, we had 70 couples come forward who were watching pornography together. Christians. Some of them came forward with their children who were also addicted to pornography at six, seven, and eight years old because they had no blocks or protections on their TV. And the children followed some of them, and they said, what are you doing here? And the children started confessing it. It was a miraculous move of God. The entire stage was filled with all kinds of weed, cocaine, heroin, and everything else. This is Christian people. I can't even tell you how many people came forward that were addicted to pornography, men and women and children, and alcohol. I didn't even bother to ask him to come forward. I wasn't talking about social, you know, somebody that drinks one drink and that kind of thing, but people getting drunk regularly. Because if we don't have that power, ladies and gentlemen, if we don't have the power of the Holy Spirit to set captives free in our own churches and in our own lives, then we are not really walking with God. This is all about encounters with God. There has to come a day where your eyes open up and you realize I'm not supposed to just sit around and go to work and eat and watch TV and that's my life. That's not my life. You're, that you're, you have to see that you're created as a much greater human being than that. That you have living inside you the divine potential of God to change the entire world. That anything that Jesus can do, he can do it through you. That any miracle that Jesus can accomplish, he can accomplish it through you. That any powerful, amazing thing that can happen, can happen to you if you're willing to pay the price that it takes to have that and to do that or you are just far away from God and maybe possibly totally backslidden and still going to church. Thank God. But you realize you are far from the Holy Spirit. And that's why we need encounters 
of illumination. You're going to say this someday. I was doing this, and God spoke to me. And you're going to say these words. He showed me that I didn't need to smoke reefers anymore. So I took the reefers, and I cooked them. Just kidding. Because, you know, people always go for, like, half deliverance. Like, okay, I'll throw away half of them and keep the other half. Jesus doesn't do it like that. When he delivers you, he completely delivers you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Remember, it's not my job to protect any sacred cows tonight. Amen. That's not my job. My job is not to be loyal to you. My job is to be loyal to God. Amen. My job is to be nice to you, loving to you and kind and tell you the truth but not to protect your sacred cows. And if you end up hating me, you're dumb. <laughs> because I'm serving up medicine. And this medicine will cure your life. You need your eyes to open. Do you know that you're blind if you're not sharing Jesus with lost people? It's because you're blind. You don't realize the person sitting next to you is on their way to hell. And God puts you there with a lifesaver in your hand. Wasn't it great this morning, all those people getting right with God, some of them getting saved? I mean, it's amazing. Praise God. Illumination. Where do you need it? Where are you blind? Where has Satan blinded you? Where has he convinced you that this is okay? Even though it's not okay with God, it's okay. A couple of cuss words don't matter. Throwing the finger once a month, that's not a big deal. And I'm not saying any kind of legalistic thing, but I'm simply saying how the devil is the greatest evangelist next to Jesus that has ever lived. He knows how to persuade and convince people to live in darkness. Hallelujah. Put your hands on your eyes and say, Dear God in heaven, open my eyes so that I can see Jesus. Open my eyes so that I can see the truth because I know that the truth will set me free. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Ma'am, you're sitting right here. you got a lot of children next to you. One, two, three children. Yeah. So the Lord is speaking to me while I'm preaching, speaking to me about you. And so I'm going to tell you what he's telling me to tell you. Number one, you are a very good mother. The devil is a liar. You are a very good mother. In your heart, beginning tonight, the Lord is going to give you wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to quickly fix what is unfixable. And you are being given that gift by the Holy Spirit. 
Luke 21.15 says this. It's very powerful. I will give you wisdom and words that no one can resist. Your children will listen to you as they grow up as if God himself was talking to them. Right now, they go in and out because they're little. But you are a good mother. God is pleased with you. God loves you. And God has gone ahead of you to protect them from what you are afraid might happen to them. So I'm here to tell you that it is not going to happen. Sister, everything is going to be all right. Proverbs 10, 24. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. Hallelujah. Look at someone next to you and say, that was really for me. Now, I know that some of you are a little crazy, but, but understand that God is not intimidated by you. Like you being crazy doesn't bother God. That's why when I minister to people, God told me to do this. He said, do it without condition. Minister to adulterers, liars, fornicators, perverts, saved, unsaved, good, evil, if they're in church, I still have something to say to them. But know that God is not a fool. Amen. So God will tell you what your life can be like. And if you get your life right with God, you activate it. If you're doing something bad of those kind of things, which of course you're not, but if somebody is and you don't change, then none of that will come to pass. But what it will do is follow you into Judgment Day. And on Judgment Day, when you accuse God, He will say, oh, wait a second. Do you remember this? What I said I would do? And this? You rejected it? You rejected it? Because if it doesn't come to heal you, then it has to testify against you. Do not take lightly when God speaks to you. Hallelujah. Amen. Give somebody a high five and say it's getting a little freaky in here. <laughs> I was hoping for something a little lighter. Illumination, let's all say it. Illumination. Illumination. What does Psalm 119, 103 say? Show me wonderful and beautiful things out of your word. Let the unfolding of your word fill my heart with joy. Illumination. Once I was blind, but now I see. 
You see, you may be talking all kinds of crazy talk to your wife or your husband. You might be getting frustrated with them and then telling them all these terrible things like you are this and you are that and you don't this and you don't that and you don't hang, you don't this and you don't this and you always this and you forever did and you always have and you always... You're Satan talking. And until God opens your eyes, you're not going to stop because your emotions are your Holy Spirit. And Jesus is not the Lord of your life. Your emotions are. Don't feel the love on that. So I'm going to go over here, build myself up. Praise God. I, you need a little building up, brother. That's the way to do it. Keep it up. Just keep going. It'll be over soon. Praise God. Just keep going. Illumination. Say it with me. I once was blind. But now I see. Now, you may think it's not a big deal to do the laundry. Try it once. Let's see how your wife reacts. She may faint. The whole house is clean. Now, she may say, okay, I'm going to have to redo everything. But hey, it's a beginning. You did this wrong, that wrong, this wrong, those wrong, wrong, this wrong, wrong, wrong. But you tried. It's a beginning. Don't beat them up for doing it wrong. To say, wow, that's really done with great effort. Really amazing. Go away. I've got to redo this. Don't say, stop doing it. Leave it alone. Never do that. Because he'll actually do that. He'll never touch those things again till he dies. Because men are little boys. And they're expecting you to raise them again. <laughs> <laughs> Revelation. <laughs> Why would they tell you to replace the toilet paper if you're not a little boy? Hey, why don't you flush the toilet? Hey, don't, don't leave it all wet in the middle of the night because I sit on that. Hey, put the lid down. I drowned almost last night. I'm a little person. You're a giant person. That's what you do with little children. Don't leave your whiskers all in the sink. And when you're done, wipe off the sink. Get things and make it shiny like my side. <laughs> Illumination. Praise the Lord. Remember that we never like exposure. We like to be hidden, even if hidden is in the dark. But God is the God of light. Amen. He lives in the light. He gives us light, and we must embrace the light. That's what it's all about. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Go ahead and give someone a high five and say, I know you can spare $273 tonight. <laughs> Write me a check. That'll be okay. We go to the third thing tonight. I'm, I'm not going to get through all five because... We're flowing like we're flowing. And I want to minister to people. So, let's see where we get. Um, go ahead and look at someone next to you and say, you know, it seems to me like you need a lot of help.
Luke 10, 30 and 31, we are now looking at a story with one of the great encounters, one you have to have to be the true believer and the true person God created you to be. This is Mary and Martha, and Martha is cleaning the kitchen and washing the dishes. She believes that that's more important than being with Jesus. She says, I can't go to church because I have to clean the house. So I'm staying home. You go to church. You never clean the house anyway. I'm staying home because I got to clean the house. Jesus says, you know, you're always worried, Martha, about everything. You're always, you know, stressed out about everything. But look at Mary. She has chosen the good part, and Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus learning. This is what I call the discipleship encounter. And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, if you never become a disciple of Jesus, you are wasting your time trying to be a Christian. It is not going to work for you. Christianity does not work for casual followers. Christianity does not work for distant observers. Christianity is created by God, by Jesus, for disciples. The only people who can experience true Christianity is a disciple of Jesus, not a casual follower. That's why we have churches that are not very effective because we don't have disciples, we have casual followers. Remember that you are a soldier in God's army. And Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, which means you at some point have to decide you're going to start studying the Bible and learning everything there is to learn about the Bible, that the Bible is going to become your number one book to live your life by and to have a marriage and to raise children and to do everything, that you're going to study the Bible until you have mastered it and become a scholar of the Bible. That you're going to read your Bible every day. That you're going to sing the Bible. That you're going to pray the Bible. That you're going to memorize the Bible. And that you're going to teach the Bible to your children and to your grandchildren. And to your great-grandchildren. That the whole family will be blessed because they are sitting at the feet of Jesus vicariously through you. Because you are sitting there. They are watching you, Dad. They are watching you, Grandfather. They are watching what you are doing. And as they see you sitting at the feet of Jesus, not claiming to be a Christian just because you go to church. They see you praying on your knees for them next to their bed, sometimes for an hour or two on a regular basis because you're a disciple. You're not a casual follower. You're not a di your wife should know that she's married to a saved man that actually prays for her every day before you leave her and when you come back. There should be habitual prayer going on with disciples. If the husband is a disciple and if the wife is a disciple, then there's going to be prayer and Bible study 
you're going to be discussing Scripture and talking about God, and you're going to be fellowshipping over those things and talking to each other about it because you're a disciple. And disciples talk about Jesus day and night. I was eating over at Pastor Scott and Melissa's house last night because this is now a habit and a ritual. When I come into town, Melissa cooks all the food she has had left over for a year. No, 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 just kidding. I'm just kidding. She makes me special food, calls me up. What are you eating this time? Because <laughs> I go for no, 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 no. What are you eating this time? <laughs> and so I tell her all that, and she makes all these things. And so I, I come in with glee. Hey! Because I already know I'm about to enter a world of feasting. I haven't eaten all day. Didn't eat breakfast, didn't eat lunch. Because I knew what was coming. A salmon this long, the size of my leg. This is an appetizer. All kinds of designed things whose names I do not know. All laid out in different parts of the house. I can pass by and grab one. Pass by another, grab that one. Spiced up. Delicious. Then the main courses come out, several of them. Strange names and beautiful tastes. Hallelujah. Look at somebody and say, you're making me hungry. I'm getting hungry right now. But all of this, all of what I'm telling you, all of the things that God has prepared for you, all of those things are for a disciple. The table is for the disciples. It's not for a casual follower. Don't you know that your Bible is actually locked if you're not a disciple? Casual followers read the Bible without illumination. They read the Bible just as it's written. That's enough. But it's not the same as God breathing on it and revealing it to you personally. So I'm at their house eating, and what are we talking about from the moment I arrive till the moment I leave? All we're talking about is Jesus from the first minute to the last minute, and it never grows old. I go to new friends, and what are we talking about? Jesus, the whole time, hours and hours of Jesus. It never gets old, because when you're a disciple, you have things to share. Because your table has been spread by the greatest cook in the universe. Hallelujah. He knows how you like your enchiladas. Amen? Amen? Are you a disciple? Or are you a casual follower? Is the Bible truly your manual for living? Do you present a threat to Satan? Are lost people in danger of getting saved when you walk in the room? Is a sick person in danger of getting healed because you're there? Is a broken-hearted individual in danger of getting their heart mended because you're next to them and can sense their pain and are going to say something about it? You're going to say, I can feel your broken heart, ma'am. Huh? 
and you go from there. Oh, I can feel your pain. How can you do that? I have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit loves you. He's telling me these things. I can't give you a number for how many thousands of times this happened throughout my entire life. I was in a theater with my wife. I had been preaching a long series. I came home, and all I wanted to do was just go have some pizza and look at my wife in a romantic way. She would not look at me the whole time. I said, why aren't you looking at me? I'm here. And she got up, went over, and there was a man sitting over there eating pizza. She sat next to that man, started talking to him. I'm looking, what is going on? And all of a sudden, the man breaks out crying, loud, <laughs> like that. And she just, turns out that that very day, his wife had left him with the children. And she had a word for him, a totally unsaved man. God is going to give you your family back. Go get him and bring him to church. I preached nearby. She called him, gave him an address, whatever. They showed up at the church. The man came, the wife came, the three children came. Everybody got saved, and everybody got filled with the Holy Ghost. And holla, holla, walla, walla, that's what I'm talking about. Jesus, Jesus. Are you a disciple? Are you a hired hand? You only do things for God when he pays you. Disciples live for God. They don't work for God. Praise the Lord. You two stand up, brother. I keep hearing things for you and your wife. Yeah, yeah. Stretch your hands out, everybody. You know, what I'm hearing the Lord tell me is the best things have yet, not yet happened. that the best things for you too are still ahead of you. That you have crossed the Rubicon, the place of no return. And there's no turning back. Your best lives, your best blessings, your best miracles, are still ahead. God has saved the best wine for the last. And all these years of serving God as faithfully as you have have only been in preparation for what is about to happen in the next five years. You are entering the years of beautiful grace there is 25 different functions to grace. God says you have touched two, 
and you have 23 left. There are 23 levels of divine accomplishments, satisfactions, contentments, and inner beauties that you're going to taste. You'll be sleeping. And God will wake you up. And when you open your eyes, you will not feel like the same person. You will say, I didn't do anything except go to sleep. But I woke up as a new person with a new purpose, with a new fire, like a dragon that has lost its fire. That is what the world is like. But your fire is being relit with an eternal flame. Not the fruit of self-will, but the fruit of visitations from God in the middle of the night. That's what I see. I just see the best is yet to come. Embrace it. You have to do nothing but say yes. When you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit saying to you, say that. Do that. Be that. That's all you have to do. I hear cheering right now. I hear loud cheering. These are some of your relatives that have gone ahead of you. That's what the Holy Spirit's telling you. Your relatives are cheering right now because of what you're going to do in the name of Jesus, but also to bless their memories. Some you don't even know. Relatives that have gone way before you, that actually prayed for you before you were ever born. Your fire is never going to go out. When you go out, you're going to go out singing. Come on, everybody. Say it out loud to God be the glory. That's it. Praise God. Put on my music. So, we are... You know, going through this discipleship thing, and the key to a discipleship encounter is to listen. Listen. And when God tells you something, do it. Don't hesitate. When you're in at, at uh, let's see, what do they have here? Kroger's? When you're at Kroger's in between the spaghetti and the green beans, and there's some lady there with a bunch of kids, everybody looks sick, and the Holy Spirit says, tell them you want to buy all their groceries and add $500 to it. Do it. Amen. You're a disciple. Do it. 
and do it in Jesus' name. Because they're going to ask you, why are you doing this? And you can say, because Jesus is telling me to do it. He's also telling me to pray for you if you'll let me. And you know, they're not going to say no. I've never had anybody say no when I've paid for their groceries. Automatically pay for military automatically. If you see them in a restaurant, just take that check and pay for it. Don't even, don't even question it. Just take that check right away. Policemen, take that check right away. Firemen, take that check right away. Elderly people, take that check right away. You're disciples. You represent the lion of the tribe of Judah. You are servants of Jesus. Do not be the person griping down the aisle. Don't be a disease everywhere you go. Let God touch your heart. Sin makes it hard. Cruelty makes it hard. I've seen people, I know people that have been treated very badly by their mates. And I've seen them struggle to try to keep a tender heart. And it's been a battle, but they've done it. They've done it because of God inside, because they're disciples. And what did Jesus say? By this shall all men know that you are my disciples because you have love one for another. Hallelujah. We had to build that hospital, million dollars. A disciple came and gave us the money. We had to build that girl's home, almost $400,000. Many disciples, some sitting in this room, helped us build it. Now our college girls don't have to be kidnapped when they go into the city. Disciples, they're the ones that change the world. And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you know when you're married to one. Now that you know you're not married to one, don't tell them. You're not a disciple. That's what I need. I need a disciple. I don't need something like you. I need a disciple. Don't do that. They're on their own journey. And remember, you're supposed to be happy without them having to please you. Because Jesus is enough. Amen? Is everybody okay? It's 7.30, but I'm not going to quit. I think Scott's okay with that. Thank you, brother. What can he say? I mean, Scott. <laughs> I mean, like, what do you say? No, I'm not okay. <laughs> I mean, it's a little weird situation. <laughs> Sorry, I should have asked you before. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay, so let's go to Mark chapter 5, 1 through 22. This is number what? Number four. Yeah. 
This is a man that is living in the graveyards, naked, running around, cutting himself, screaming and yelling all night long. He's called the demoniac. He's famous because he has 2,000 demons inside of his body. That's a lot of demons. You are Christian, so you don't have demons in you, but you can have demons with you. For example, one of the ways you know you have demons in your house is that you have nightmares on a regular basis. That is the sign of the presence of demons in your home. Christians do not have nightmares on a regular basis. I can say that I have not had a nightmare since I was 17 years old, and I will never have one. I go to sleep quoting scripture because I have found that's the best sleeping pill there is. Da, 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 da. Pretty soon I'm just... It soothes and calms the soul. Go to bed watching horror movies, then you're letting that in to the house. And if you're watching pornography and thinking you're protecting your children because they're not watching it, and if you're paying for pornography, you're tithing to Satan. And if you tithe to Satan, he has the right, because you paid for it, to send demons to your children while they're sleeping. And that is not a good idea. No six-year-old should have a nightmare, especially a sexual dream. That's demons. Even atheists believe in demons. You can ask any atheist, just pick any atheist. They'll tell you, oh yeah, demons are for real. The evidence is overwhelming. This man, even with 2,000 demons in his body, had enough strength to ask Jesus for help. Have mercy on me. And Jesus sent the demons out, 2,000 of them. They even said, hey, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, don't just send us out, send us into the pigs. And they went in the pigs and then killed all the pigs. That's a big herd. If, if, if 2,000 demons, I don't know how many, how many demons went in each pig, but that's a lot. Either way, they drove the pigs to commit Harry Carey. What am I saying? At some point, you have to have a sanity encounter with God where you stop being crazy. You stop doing crazy things. How do you know you're crazy? Because people do not know what you're going to do. That's how they know you're crazy. They cannot rely on your stability. They cannot rely on your peace. They cannot trust you in times of stress, pressure, and offense. They don't know if you're going to hurt them if they offend you. That's crazy. 
You don't talk to people for days. That's crazy. You kick people out of the bedroom because they didn't do something the way you wanted it to do. That's crazy. At some point, you have to have an encounter with God where he takes the crazy out of you and you no longer have suicidal thoughts. You no longer are in depression because you realize how highly blessed you are and favored you are to even be saved, to actually go, be going to heaven when you die and to have Jesus living in your heart. All of a sudden, your life becomes shiny and beautiful and the clouds roll away because the crazy goes. How do you know you're not crazy? The man, it says, put his clothes back on. And it said he was sitting there in his right mind, normal. Are you scared of somebody in your family? It's because there's crazy. Now you can get mad at me, you can reject what I'm saying, you can deny it, you don't want to act, oh, it can't be true, it's not me, I only did it once, la la la. You can do all that baloney, but Christians, you know, that's just a lost thing, man. It's just not going to work. The best way to help yourself is to just admit the truth and say, yeah, half of my family is terrified of me. Or I'm terrified of half of my family or that person or this or whatever. But when you fall and cry out, you cry out, you cry out, have mercy on me. You cry out, God, deliver me from this. Break this power over me so that I am a stable, reliable, I'm loyal. My family knows I will never leave them or forsake them. They know I will never do crazy things. I will never act in a crazy way. I will never commit any radical act of violence. I will never do this or do that. They're not walking on eggshells in the house because the crazy has left and you become a person that God can trust and what a great day stand up here ma'am yeah what's your name Heidi Ida it's a beautiful name that I can assure you so let's stretch our hands out. I, I, I hear the Lord telling me something. One, he tells me that you have a very tender heart. And the reason that it's tender is that you've been hurt. There, there are hurts inside you. And these hurts are not fully healed yet but he's going to heal him tonight. You have had to be strong in spite of how you hurt. But it's tiring. You're tired. You, you've got a lot of weight on those shoulders. So all of us together Reach your hands out, everybody. All of us together, sister, lift the weight off. Come on, everybody. We lift the weight off. 
And we say this, what you're worried about, won't, it's not going to happen. What you're afraid of, it's not going to happen. 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. But you have a good heart. You are a good woman. You love Jesus. And God says, because you love me, I will always be there for you, and I will always deliver you. The Lord tells me to tell you, He will never let go of your hand. That some of the places you have to walk in the years to come, you will not walk them alone. No, you will feel, you will feel the hand of God holding your hand. A valley or two, a mountaintop or two, good. Some things may be unexplainable. But the Lord will walk with you. And He will not ever leave you anymore. Here's what I'm hearing the Lord tell me. He's turning on His manifest presence into your life. That means you're going to feel the presence. And your sleep is going to be like the sleep of a newborn baby. You'll only wake up when you're hungry. The Lord says, my daughter, I have waited to carry you. As you have walked through storms without me, you knew me, you trusted me, but you still walked through it yourself. I will now carry you for three years to give you a break and renew your strength like the strength of an eagle. You will walk and not be weary and you will run and not faint. Hallelujah. Everybody say to your neighbor, he should have told me that. Wave your hands, everybody, and say, we're in church because we have a supernatural God that does supernatural things. Uh, right here, ma'am. Would you stand up? Yes, ma'am. Stretch your hands out there. I'm hearing this. I'm hearing the Lord tell me this. I, I can hear it. I can feel it. When I look at you, ma'am, I see a tree with fruit shooting out of it. The tree is, the fruit isn't even waiting to hang. It's like you are a bazooka of fruit. In other words, people are not going to have to walk up to you to get your fruit. You're going to be able to shoot it at them at long distances. You will be a tree that's like a bazooka. You will literally shoot love across an ocean. 
You'll shoot love to another state. Goodness, kindness, joy. And it'll come out of your prayers. For your prayers have come up before the Lord like a sweet-smelling fragrance. The Lord is telling me to tell you, keep it up. Keep it up, my daughter. I love the sound of your voice. I love the syllables that come out when you speak my name. Drought is over. Deserts are over. Dryness has ended. Eat all the fruit you want. It's your fruit. I gave it to you. And the fruit is everlasting. Give away all you want. Keep as much of it as you want. There's an endless supply of the beauties of divine fruit in your house. This is your gift. Pray for any person you want. Name the fruit you want them to have. And that is the fruit that will appear on their table. Everybody say, Halala wala hele hulihi. That was awesome. Praise God. Turn to somebody and say, Dear Jesus, I need some of that stuff. Right here, ma'am. Would you stand? Yes, ma'am. Would you stretch your hands out? I'm hearing the Lord. I'm hearing the Lord. You, you are at a turning. This is a year for divine turnarounds for you. It's like one day, and forgive me for this analogy, it's what's coming to me. One day, you're like Clark Kent, and then you enter the booth superwoman I don't know what to say other than that you get the idea and this is what the Lord is saying I've provided the booth because I hear the Lord telling me he wants you to come and talk to him more he wants you to get alone with him in some private place and talk to him He misses your voice some days. And he would like you to just keep coming because he has so much that he wants to give you. I'm hearing the Lord tell me he has so many prayers that he wants to answer for you, but you've got to pray them. And it's not like you don't pray, but it's specific prayers that he will give you while you're praying to pray. He will give you the prayers because he already intends to answer them. The best prayer you can pray is the one God gives you.
because he already has answered it. Do you have a prayer for your family, my daughter? I'll answer it. Do you have a prayer for your marriage? I will answer it. Do you have a prayer for yourself? I will answer it. Do you have a prayer for somebody else? I will answer it. For I am your father and there is nothing I do not want to give you. There is nothing, my daughter, that I would withhold from you or keep hidden from you or keep at arm's length from you. For it is my good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sing to me when no one is around. Hum to me when there are people around. Sing to me early in the morning, whether you feel like it or not. I'm going to make you feel better physically. I'm going to touch your physical body and heal the way you feel in your body. Your muscles, your joints, shoulders, all of the backs, all, everything. I'm just going to, you're just going to feel better. First Kings 18, 41. Elijah said, look up there. There's a little cloud the size of a man's hand. When they looked again, the whole sky was full of clouds. And the Lord says, your first prayer, you cannot see the answer. It's far away. But the second prayer will fill the sky. Whew. I receive it for myself. Everybody receive that. Just start receiving that rain right now. I mean, I can hear the rain right now so loud. I can hear the thunderous rain. Just like it's Elijah said, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Lord, I just receive rain here at Generations Church. That the rain be all in this building, Lord. That the rain goes out into the parking lot. The rain goes into the foyer in the front and the back. That God, anybody that comes in this church will feel the rain of the Spirit of God. That Pastor Scott will live in a constant storm of rain, that inside of him, God, there will be a storm of rain, that he will tap into the supernatural powers of God and begin to function in a way that he has never functioned before, that he will be everything you're telling him to be in every way you're telling him to be that, that Pastor Melissa, God, will be like a mighty ship at sea, an ice-breaking ship, a ship that is not afraid of the cold, frozen sea because she was created to break ice. She was created to break through the ice where no other ships can go, where no other ships can survive. She is able to go through those seas and oceans and break up 
the frozen oceans that are around the lives of the people, that she can break it up in pieces where all the regular ships can pass by because her gifting will break what Satan has frozen for centuries and for generations. Don't sit down yet. So, I'm hearing this. You, you are entering a time of acquiring. Acquiring. 1 John 9, 24. Many people run in a race, but only one person obtains the prize. This is your new gift to run and win and to get the prize. When you die, invisibly, the room you will be in will be filled with the rewards and treasures that you have done, that the Holy Spirit has done through you. go to heaven they will follow you you cast them at the feet of Jesus and say to God be the glory great things he has done hallelujah I'm hearing that a few people who, who haven't been loving you the way they should God is reaching to their hearts there is a love revival coming in the family tree. Everybody reach your hands out and say, that's for me. Say it out loud, that's for me. A love revival is coming to my family tree. Praise God. Give someone a high five and say, wow, God is good. God is good. God is amazing. Can we praise him a little bit, everybody? Can we thank God a little bit? Let's have everybody in that section just come by. And let me lay hands on you real quick. Just walk by. You're going to walk right down the aisle and back to your seat. But I want to touch you and anoint you. Remember that the laying on of hands is the time of impartation. So expect a miracle because I'm expecting it. And that's what will happen. A miracle will happen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. That's okay. Keep walking. Keep walking. Praise the Lord. Yeah, I'm just going to touch you as you walk by. You don't need to stop unless I stop you. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost. I lay hands on each person, Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for the Spirit of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for the anointing. Thank you, God. One second here, ma'am. Stretch your hands out, everybody. Stretch your hands out right here. Stretch them out. There you go. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're like a guitar. Some of the strings have gone out of tune, but you're God's guitar. And He's going to tune you so that everything that comes from you is a beautiful melody created by God.
nothing bad will have access to you because the Lord will become your shepherd and you shall not want. I lay hands on you like this and ask God to deliver you from all forms of mental torment that you be surrounded by the peace and love of God. You're God's daughter and He loves you. Never forsake you or cast you aside. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you for letting me pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Bless that beautiful baby that's going to change the world there, brother. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Wow, what an anointed child that is. Whew. Thank you, Jesus, ma'am. Be healed in your body. Praise God. So it's the right leg. Yeah. Put your hands on. So stretch your hands out there. We're dissolving that blood clot out of your leg. That simply will disappear. And then when the doctors look, they will not be able to find it. And that you're not in danger of any kind. That's our prayer. That's where we're standing in faith, believing in the name of Jesus. Everybody agree and said hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Let's have this section here. You know, touching people, impartation is a powerful thing. It's the beginning of miracles. You have to touch something in many cases before the supernatural manifests. Jesus is very patient. He's not in a hurry because he loves people. You're not going to get Jesus ever be in a hurry. Like Jesus didn't meet somebody and say, okay. he, was, he wasn't leaving while he was there. He stood in perfect peace in front of the most irritating people in the world. Because that's how love is. Love is never saying to a person, you're not interesting enough. I need to go talk to them. You bore me. I'm going to talk to those people. That's, Jesus isn't like that. There's no difference. You're all the same quality diamond to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Your seeking of God will be rewarded. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I just see all kinds of good things on you, brother, everywhere. Just everywhere. Again, I'm all over everywhere. There's good things everywhere. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, highly blessed, ma'am. Thank you, Jesus. You too, sir. Very close to God there. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you, ma'am. Bless you. Praise the Lord. Look at that. Look at that anointing on that child. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. All these children are very anointed. You're doing a great job, man. God bless you. Praise God. Hey, look at this baby. What, what's, what's the baby's name? Adelaide. What a great name. I like that name. Do you like your name? Adelaide. So let's give you the gift of playing music. Is that okay, Adelaide? How about you play the piano? the guitar and you sing beautifully and you write books 
and you preach the gospel and you win souls and you become a missionary and learn four languages. How about that? Is that okay with you? That's what's going to happen. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank God. Thank you, Lord. Bless this man who loves you, Lord. Bless this man, Jesus, by the power of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Bless this lady. Answer all her prayers for her family, Lord. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Okay, well, let's do that section over here. Over there, yeah. Section? Yeah, all this section, including that section, because there's only three people who so will do all, all those folks. And you can come like right here and then go that way. Remember that the laying on of hands can be nothing or it can be everything. One second. Based, based on faith, based on faith, it can be absolutely nothing or it can be everything. I am praying for people with an expectation that a miracle is going to happen. So faith, touching faith, a miracle is born. Praise the Lord. So I'm going to pray for my sister. Everybody stretch your hands out. I'm going to pray so that when you look into your life five years from now and you look inside it, you will see that God has put treasures in there. Things you have always wanted that you didn't know you wanted. Because God is not going to leave you empty. He's going to fill you until you're overflowing with the blessings that you personally need. You don't need every blessing, but there's some you need now. You need them today. So I just touch you there with everyone. We say, be blessed. Devil, take your hands off everyone in her family. And from this day forward, flourish, bloom, and prosper in every area of your life. Shock the whole world because God has given you a gift of boldness. Use it for His glory. Not just to say what you want. Use it for His glory because you have been picked by God to reach people that others cannot even talk to. This will be your gift, the ability to open a heart that has been closed for a lifetime. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Bless you, Deb. Bless you. Bless you, Laura. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. What are you believing God for? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Wow. Wow. Lindsay, wow. You guys, wow. Man, Bradley, this is like awesome. That's like so anointed right there. Did you see, feel that? Did you feel the anointing there on Bradley's family? 
Bradley's family's anointed. You're doing a good job, guys. Keep it up. Don't underestimate those children. They're going to surprise you. There are geniuses in that family. There's someone in that family that's going to invent something and make everybody in the whole family extremely rich. There's an inventor in there. I felt that gift when they passed by. Do not forget your local evangelist. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. They're like flowers in God's garden. Bless you. Bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Bless these children, Lord. Thank you, God, for the blessing of the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the blessing of God. In Jesus' name. All right, we'll do this section here. Praise God, for the Lord is good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, brother. Oh, you're, you're helping me. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Did you get that ice-breaking thing? Wow, that was amazing. Such a clear vision, too, that I got on that. Of my, uh, listen, it was just so powerful. Like the whole ocean is frozen. And you, but it wasn't like a, a, a special assignment. It was who you are. It's your specialized gift to the body of Christ. So you're going to feel comfortable a lot of times around frozen people, and you'll function the best when someone is closed off. What a great gift. Ooh, everybody say it. I receive it for myself. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for giving Brother Scott the ability to run and not get tired. Refresh him. And I'm asking for a special gift now of writing books. Because that's what he, he knows he's supposed to do it. It's inside of him to do it, Lord. Now, make him brave to do it and to do lots of them and get everything out of you that God has put in you before you go to heaven in Jesus name praise God thank God bless Miss Monica because she is a cheerleader in heaven that's what a cheerleader in heaven looks like this is what she looks like a cheerleader for Jesus a person that cheers Jesus on cheers God on cheers everybody on cheers people on she is the one that says, victory is coming. Everything is going to be all right. Praise the Lord. Just her smile is a victory. Praise the Lord. Thank you for all the work you're doing, Pastor Albert, all the churches. Isn't that glorious, everybody? How many churches now? Over 700. I yeah. I don't know. Uh, he doesn't know, but over 700. 700 churches that did not exist before that first time that he went to build a church. Isn't that glorious? Amen. And how many years do you think? Oh, maybe 20 years. Yeah. 20 years. yeah, 20 years. 700 churches. Do you know that the Bible says, let your light shine before men so they can see it and glorify your Father which is in heaven? 
we should glorify our Father which is in heaven, that a 70-something-year-old man just came from three weeks in the bush of Africa preaching to pastors out there where no one will ever go and training them in the ways of God. We know what he's like. He doesn't want to have any recognition, so he's not getting any. But the Lord in him, which has put it in his heart to do it. What a beautiful thing, and I think we ought to celebrate that. Can we all just give a, a round of applause to the Lord and to Brother Albert and Miss Monica, who went with him. Monica went with him. Yeah, went with him. I don't know if you all know what it's like to fly for 18 hours. Get off and then fly again. I think. That's a lot. But they were very smiley and happy and like, yeah, it's great. Can't wait to do it again. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. These are my dear friends. This is Miss Catherine and my wonderful friend, Mike McCoy. I have known them, my gosh. What do you think? How long? 25. How long have you been married? Yeah, but I knew you before then. We used to meet in airports around the world. Like how many times did we meet over in Amsterdam? Like at least twice, I thought. We met in like four, because he's oil man and all that. We'd meet and, what are you doing? I can't believe it. But what an uplifting thing it was, both traveling all over the planet. And then we run into each other in a, pa in a, in a, pas in a passport, in, in an airport in a foreign country. We've been friends ever since. And they're very beautiful, wonderful people. I love them dearly. And I just want you all to stretch your hands out. And I want to pray for them, especially today. I want the Lord to give them some special blessings during this season. The first blessing is quick and powerful answers to prayer. The second blessing is peace and confidence in the middle of the night. The third prayer is a song in their hearts that doesn't leave them all day long. Number four, great prosperity. And number five, permanent and total absolute breakthroughs for 2023 and 2024 and those are the five blessings thank you all for agreeing with me in jesus name bless you guys praise the lord thank you all bless you bless your body ma'am bless you sir bless you ma'am thank you lord bless you in the name of jesus healing bless you lord bless you lord thank you god thank you lord thank you jesus thank you lord thank you jesus thank you lord thank you lord Thank you, Lord. God bless you, sir. Thank you, Lord. 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 Dr. Charles. Thank you, Lord. Reach out your hands here to Dr. Charles. He's a good friend of mine. And uh, Dr. Charles gets all my books, Letters from God, 
And he's done this for how many years? Probably 10 years, 11 years. Boxes and boxes in his practice. And then he just gives them away. Like everybody that comes in there, they get letters from God. Sometimes he'll read it to them. He's got a real ministry and uses letters from God. I just wanted to say that. So may God's blessings be on you and may his richest blessings be yours. Praise God. Let's all lift our hands tonight, everybody. Let's praise Jesus a little bit and say thank you, God, for all the wonderful blessings that you have brought to us. Let's say it all together. This year is a year of encounters with God. I'm going to order these tapes, listen to them over and over again, and I'm going to have some true encounters with Jesus this year to the glory of God the Father. Everybody said hallelujah and praise the Lord. So, as we wait for Pastor Scott, or are you coming up? You, Yeah. So, while we do that, let's think about this. Whatever you are facing that requires a miracle, lift your hand. You say, I'm facing something and it requires a miracle. All right? Let's lift that up now. Everybody, lift that up. Lift that up. Say, what I'm facing requires a miracle. So I just lift it up. I lift it up. And God, we now receive miracles in this section. This section, this, sec this section. We receive miracles. And that you have a testimony. I am asking God that some of you will receive an answer by tomorrow. That the longest it will take will be three months for some people. But your miracles are coming and they're on the way in the name of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah, everybody. God bless you.